Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. This is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to revolutionize their romantic relationships by transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath and minds. I have coached and taught thousands to become better versions of themselves and to change the way they show up in their relationships and in their love lives in general. Today's subject is how to choose the right partner for you, because the right partner for you is not necessarily what is the right partner for someone else. And I'm not so big on attracting the right partner to you. I think that ultimately this is about who we choose. The reality is, is that we are going to attract a lot of different people into our lives, some good and some not so good. It's really about, well, which one are we going to choose? Which one are we actually going to be attracted to? Which ones are we going to say no thank you to? And which ones are we going to say yes to? Hence the title, how to choose the right person for you, the right partner for you, the right long-term lover for you, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, however you want to call it. So I know that this is a topic that has been discussed a lot because we're all looking for love. If we're single, we're looking for love. And even if you're someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship, we're all looking for love in some form. Even if we're just looking for a romantic or a physical connection with someone, we crave connection. We crave love. It is our oxygen. This is definitely going to be for you if you're single, maybe you don't know what you want, or you do know what you want, but you're not finding it and you're frustrated. So I'm going to take you through what I think is really important, what I take my private clients through, the ones who are single. Some things to consider that are really important that perhaps you've never heard before. So here I go. One of the biggest problems that I see is when I meet people who are single or there are people who come to me and they want to work with me because they're single and they can't find the right person, they're not attracting the right person into their lives. What I see is that people have a general idea of what it is that they want. They have an idea of what they want the person to look like. Some people are pickier than others. They have an idea in terms of what kind of stability that person has financially. That's something that women think about a lot, especially women who date men. They have some idea, like I want them to be nice and funny and honest, all these things which are good. But they're 
just not deep enough. They're not specific enough. The job of loving you is a really important job. In fact, it is the most important job that you will ever have to interview someone for. Not that I'm suggesting that when you go on dates that you interview. I'll get to that in a moment. But it is so important. And unfortunately, it's just so common to be like, yep, you are going to be the one who I let into my heart. You're going to be the one that I'm going to totally commit to because I think you're hot and I'm really attracted to you. And because I've known you for a couple of weeks and everything is bliss. <laughs> Usually everything is bliss in the first couple of weeks. And I found that people are just not discerning enough. Now, when you're young, when you're really young, you know, when you're in your early 20s, teenage years, even mid to late 20s for some of us, it's normal to not really know what you want, especially in your early 20s. You haven't had enough experience of getting your heart broken, maybe even stomped on, to awaken you to the fact that you would have to become much more discerning. But after a certain age, most of us have had at least a couple experiences, if not more, where we learn what it is that we absolutely don't want and what it is that we absolutely do want. If what you want is a long-term relationship, it has to go beyond just attraction and fun, which by the way, I'm not poo-pooing that. I know that's really important. But long-term, falling in love is really easy. Falling in lust, like lust and chemistry, that's all easy. We actually don't have to do anything. All our hormones do everything for us in that case. Oxytocin, dopamine, pheromones. Falling in love is easy, but staying in love and building a long-term partnership slash relationship with someone is a completely different skill set. It requires so much commitment and accountability, responsibility. It requires compassion, empathy, communication, presence, and grit. It's just a completely different skill set. And I know this was certainly me years ago when I'd be looking for someone it's like they had to check like some very vague boxes or very surface, not vague, surface boxes, like good person, although <laughs> I definitely lowered my standard a couple of times, you know, but like good person, nice, like we have fun together. You know, I feel all, I feel in love when I'm with this person. And that's just not enough. You really have to think about, do our values align? And this is an interesting topic because you don't have to have everything the same. In fact, it would be really boring if you just got a version of yourself in lover form. It would just be boring. We need to feel challenged in a relationship and challenged by another person's mind and beliefs because 
It's the differences that create passion and spark and excitement. And it's also the differences that remind us that we are in a relationship with an autonomous person, and we are an autonomous person in the relationship. And so it keeps us on our toes just enough so that we don't get so complacent and so comfortable that we just get bored with each other. So differences are important, but there are some key things that really do need to be in alignment, like some core values. I'm sure you've heard that term before, but it's really true. The most common ones are if you're in a position to have kids, if you're a certain age and you're thinking about having kids, the two of you have to align on that. If you want kids, they don't, problem. Like it's a really big problem to the degree that your relationship will end up ending if you don't discuss this and get on the same page. These are the deal breakers. These are the things that break up people. So being aligned on whether or not you want children, being aligned on lifestyle. Lifestyle is so important. You've got someone who wants to like be nomadic and live by the beach, and you've got someone else who wants to live an urban lifestyle and have their country house, whatever it is, like you have to be aligned in that. Otherwise, it becomes nearly impossible to build a life with someone. You have to be aligned religiously. Now, you don't have to have the same religion or spiritual beliefs, but you have to be on the same page as far as what your boundaries are with that in terms of raising kids specifically, how you're going to respect each other. If you have strong spiritual and or religious beliefs, are you open to freely express that within the relationship? And some people really want to be with someone who has similar spiritual and religious beliefs. That's very comforting to them. That feels right to them. And that is absolutely fine. I actually think that it helps. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it helps. So lifestyle, money, how you're going to spend money, how you're going to save money, who's going to make more money, all your beliefs about money have to be aligned and discussed. Beliefs around sex, what it means to the both of you, what you're committed to in terms of that, what your boundaries are with that. These are really important things. But then the less obvious things to be in alignment about is like health stuff. If you're someone who is very dedicated to your physical wellness, and then you're in a relationship with someone who treats their body poorly, that's going to be a problem. Now, you might find that if everything else is aligned, but that isn't, you can deal with it. And I'm going to get to things that we tolerate in a minute. But just things like that. If you really value kindness and being a good person, it's just you have to decide or you have to identify, rather, what it is that's really important to you. Someone has to be aligned with you in that. And also your natures. If you're a huge introvert, the introversion, extroversion thing, I think there's a really big spectrum. I'm not going to get into the details of it now, but I do think there's a really big spectrum. But let's just say, just to 
just for the sake of giving an example and for clarity, let's just say you are extremely introverted. Chances are, this is one of the great ironies, paradoxes of love and relationship. Chances are you might find yourself extremely turned on by extroverted people. So let's just say you date men. You might find yourself extremely attracted to extroverted men. And there's lots of theories behind that. Could be because they represent something inside of you that you have long disidentified with, you've repressed. They, being with around them, helps you to get in touch with the extrovert inside of you, which in the beginning feels really exciting. And also another theory is just that it's exciting to you. It's different. It gets you out of your shell. Maybe it reminds you of a parent. But the problem is that if you're then not going to celebrate the little extrovert in you, let that person come out once in a while and play, then the beginning of the relationship might be fun because you're allowing yourself to play the same way that your extroverted honey plays. That's why it works. But then if you just retreat back into your comfort zone and your patterning and your introversion and the other person stays an extrovert, you guys are going to run into some problems. Same thing. You might be a huge extrovert and then you meet someone who's a complete introvert and they, that, they feel grounded to you. You feel grounded around them. They bring out the more introspective side of you, the quieter side of you, the part of you that maybe you've been craving to connect to. I bring this up because I don't believe that there's any rules that like if opposites attract, they can't make it work. All I'm saying is that when your nature is aligned, when there's a fundamental compatibility in terms of how you would like to spend your Sunday afternoon, it makes life easier. And it makes, lots of things can happen, but it definitely makes the building of something long-term more realistic. Yes, of course, there are other things that come into play, but this is an important one. So the first thing is you have to understand that the job of loving you is a very important job. And so you've got to take some, you have to really think about this and not just base it on, oh yeah, I have a good time and I'm attracted. But how do you know who's really right for you? And when I say right for you, like who would be good for you? Because there's lots of people that we could date and have a great time with and have fun with. But long-term, who's actually good for you? The only way to really get that is by understanding yourself. We have to understand ourselves and know ourselves in order to know who would be good for us. And that requires a level of honesty that we have to have with ourselves. It's about being able to see ourselves clearly. And that can be tricky. It's hard to see ourselves clearly because oftentimes we want to see ourselves 
different or better than we are. We might say, we may have really strong desire to be a certain way. And we think, this is just an example. I really want to be outdoorsy. I love outdoorsy women. I want to be outdoorsy. But if you're honest with yourself, yeah, you like to go on a hike once in a while, but you're not outdoorsy. And so even though you like the idea of being with a super outdoorsy person and going rock climbing together and going on these outdoorsy athletic, (laughs) these trips together and camping and all that, like in theory, it might look beautiful in pictures on social media and Instagram, but if you know yourself and you're honest with yourself and you say, okay, I'm attracted to that, I'm attracted to the idea of that, and there's a part of me that wishes that I was born into a completely different psychology, and I wish that I was more like that, but you know what? I'm just not. And so being in a relationship with someone who wants every weekend to go camping, that, if I'm really honest with myself, is not what I want and, quite frankly, might even be a nightmare for me. (laughs) So can you tell I'm talking a little bit about myself? I love the outdoors, and I love doing fun things outdoors once in a while, and I love outdoorsy men, but that's just not me all the time, and it's just not what I want. So if you relate to this and you can plug in anything, (laughs) this is what you have to think about. You have to know and understand yourself. And to be honest, we change a lot, right? But a fair amount of us have been through relationship trauma where we've been very hurt or we have been betrayed or we have been lied to, which is part of the betrayal. Whatever it is, some of us have even gone through abuse. That is when you have to be very truthful with yourself and say, I need to be in a relationship with someone who first and foremost, I feel safe around, safe to really be myself. And you don't have to have had trauma to make that a priority, by the way. But you got to know if that's really what's important to you because There is no jackpot in another person. We are not perfect. We are all deeply flawed. Some of us, for sure, have bigger problems than others. Some of us have done more work on ourselves than others. Some of us have more self-awareness than others. Some people are just have not figured out how to be in a relationship. You know, they just have not figured out how to not be selfish and to show up. So we all have different degrees of where we're flawed, but we're all flawed. You're not going to get every single thing that you want on a surface level. So you have to decide what's really important to you, what you need no matter what. And part of that is understanding how you want to feel, like wanting to feel safe to be yourself in a relationship. Even if that means that person, you might find them very attractive, but they might not look archetypically like what it is that you usually find very attractive. 
but you're attracted to them. And that's okay because how you feel when you're around them is really good and safe. That's smart. That's called wisdom. That is choosing wisely versus choosing someone who just looks the part of what you've always imagined you would end up with or who you would end up with. Like archetypically, they're so on point. You don't feel safe to be yourself around them. And so many of us go through stages or have done this or still doing this, choosing people who archetypically fit but are just not right for us mentally and emotionally and psychologically. So you have to understand your needs. You have to understand the kind of life you want to live. You have to understand what's really important to you, what you need. You have to understand how you really enjoy a weekend, you know, like what a great Sunday evening looks like to you. You have to understand what you've been through. And as a result, what are now your deal breakers? Deal breakers are, and and they always tell people have around five, and that means that even if you meet someone who seems perfect and the connection is like through the roof, if they have even one of your deal breakers, that's how clear you have to be about what your deal breakers are. Because if they even have one of their deal breakers, you have to hold yourself accountable or have your best friend hold yourself accountable, anyone hold yourself accountable, that you don't date that person. And that's tough. That's why a lot of those deal breakers are born out of the pain that we've experienced in the past. Like, wow, been there, done that. I know if this happens or this person has this habit, or this person's like this, or this person's like that, I am going to repeat the most painful pattern ever. Some deal breakers are just like, absolutely not. You cannot be a smoker. I think that's disgusting. But having deal breakers around drugs, alcohol, lifestyle, mental health, got to have them. And they have to be really important to you. And then you also have to have around five non-negotiables, meaning... They have to have this. Otherwise, I'm out. It's such a wonderful feeling when you've defined what those three to five deal breakers are and those three to five non-negotiables. And maybe there's more. I think sometimes as we get older, we have more because we just know ourselves better. Once you figure that out and then you're loyal to them, It's such a boost to your self-esteem. It's like, yeah, I just met this person. They're great, blah, 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 but they have this. No, I can't do it. When you're being loyal to your deal breakers and your non-negotiables, you're showing a tremendous amount of loyalty to yourself. You are being your greatest ally in that moment, which is the opposite of self-betrayal, and it feels really good. So you need to be able to see yourself clearly. We need to see ourselves clearly. You have to figure out what your needs are and then figure out what your non-negotiables are and your deal breakers are. The next point I want to make is 
you have to be authentic. And this is part of knowing yourself and understanding yourself. That means you have to be who you are, not who you think they would want. So there's no strategizing to get someone to be into you. Because here's the thing. This is really important. If you pretend, even just a little, to be someone you're not, meaning to like things that you don't really like or to not like things, just to misrepresent yourself in any way, you're actually going to, and here I'll use the word, attract the wrong person to you because that person's going to be into the inauthentic side that you're sharing of yourself. Anyone who does not want to be with you when you are completely yourself you have to understand that they are not meant for you. And just because you want them doesn't necessarily mean in that moment you are knowing yourself well enough. Doesn't mean that you're choosing right. If you're really wanting someone who doesn't want you back, that's when you have to question yourself and say, my picker might be off. Why do I want someone so badly who doesn't want me? What's that all about? And get really curious about that. Authenticity, for example, in a dating profile looks like if you're a woman posting pictures of you all natural, like there should be some pictures of you where you have no makeup on, where you're not all dolled up and you're just smiling and in the moment, because that is actually when you're most beautiful. Just in the moment, no makeup, no filter, no makeup, just you. And I say that to everyone. You know, if you're on the dating apps, have some profile pics where it's just candidly you. That's so important. Also, in the spirit of authenticity, be really upfront about what you want. You want a real relationship? Say it. Someone tells you, let's just go with the flow. What do you mean by that? What do you mean just go with the flow? Like, I know that I'm trying to figure out who I want to be in a relationship with. Go with the flow seems a little bit vague and seems like it is just going to go right into something that doesn't have any clarity around it. Sorry. Just be upfront. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of scaring people away. Just be yourself. And I always say, practice dating. Go on a lot of dates with people who you're not necessarily even attracted to so you can just practice being yourself and getting yourself out there. Some people really need to raise their standards for other people and for themselves. Their pickers are off. They tolerate a lot of crumbs. They tolerate a lot less than what they deserve. They don't show up at the level that they want to show up, but some are just so picky about things that don't matter. Don't be so picky about height. (laughs) Don't be so picky about looks because here's the truth. Chances are the person who you are envisioning that you're imagining being with, what they look like, chances are the person you're going to fall in love with is going to look totally different. So don't be so picky about that. Be really 
picky when it comes to your non-negotiables and your deal breakers and about your values and your deepest needs to feel safe and to feel appreciated and to feel connected. But don't be picky about the other stuff. That's a recipe for disaster. Figure out what you can live with. There is no perfect partner. And we are certainly not perfect. There are going to be things that someone who falls in love with us is going to have to say to themselves, okay, I can live with that. (laughs) And so you need to decide, we all have to decide what it is that we can tolerate in someone. If I feel really great when I'm around them, maybe I can deal with the fact that they're a little messy. Or I can't deal with messy, but I can definitely deal with someone who works a lot and isn't available all the time. Or I need someone who talks about their feelings. Or rather, I don't want someone to be shut down, but if they have a harder time expressing their feelings, I'm okay with that as long as they don't ignore me when I'm expressing my feelings. These are just examples. Figure out what you can tolerate. What can you live with? And then prioritize what's really important to you and deprioritize the rest. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Prioritize what's really important to you, right? And that's where the deal breakers and non-negotiables play a role and fit into that. And then deprioritize the rest. If you are dating, try to chill out on the hypervigilance. And what do I mean by that? Always looking for what's wrong. You're like searching for the red flag. You've been hurt before and you're looking and you're looking for the red flag. That kind of hypervigilance. I'm not saying don't be aware. Don't have some antenna up. But it's really easy when we're scared to nitpick and try to find everything that's wrong with someone. And I really think that when you're dating, especially on the first couple of dates, to try to be present to see if there's even any rapport. Don't go down a laundry list of okay, so this is what I want. Do you want this? Because I don't have time to waste. Okay. I understand that time is our most valuable currency, but I think that you can experiment a couple hours with someone and see if you can build rapport without having to go down a laundry list of whether or not they, you know, how they feel about children and all of that. If that comes up, great. And I think it should come up definitely sooner rather than later. All I'm saying is that try to relax, try not to be so hypervigilant, and try to be present just to see if there is rapport. This leads me to my next point, which is so many of us are so guarded when we go on a date. It's really hard to build rapport with someone or to get to know someone when they're guarded. And it's a real turnoff to certain people when they go on a date with someone and they just sense and feel a complete steel wall around the other person. So this is when you have to really relax your body, right? You have to breathe. 
You have to be aware when you're on a date where you're holding tension. Maybe you're holding tension in your hands or your feet, your belly, your neck, your shoulders, and just try to relax and just try to be present and breathe. Breath is so important. When we become more confident in ourselves and have a lot of clarity around what it is that we want and what it is that we don't want, then it's actually easier to relax because we know what it is that we want and what we don't want. And so we don't have to be so concerned about trying to be liked, trying to be sexy, just be ourselves because we just have the confidence of knowing that we're not going to settle. Next thing is a lot of people, this is really common. In fact, this is probably the most common. I mean, it's been like hundreds and hundreds of people who have said to me all the things that they want, you know, describing a quote unquote conscious man or a conscious woman, like they say all these great things. And then they say, well, they're not out there. And I always say, yeah, they are, but are you actually attracted to them? Because you can say how you want this really conscious, amazing, emotionally available person. But would you even recognize that person if they walked into a room? Would you recognize that person on a date? And that's when we might have some inner work to do around who we're attracted to and who we're not attracted to. Because it's really easy to say they're not out there. It's harder to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, maybe it's because those are the ones I'm not actually attracted to, even though I say that is what I want. And then the next point is, so now you know what it is you want. Now you know what it is you don't want. You understand your needs, your values. You are pretty clear that you would be attracted to this person if they were to take you out on a date. You would be able to recognize this person. Now you have to understand and ask yourself, who do I have to be in order to even be attractive to this person? Who would I have to be to attract this person into my life long term? What do I need to do? How do I actually need to change? Where do I need to communicate better? Where do I have to let down my guard? How do I have to show up? What are some of the skills that I need to develop? If I date the opposite sex, what do I need to do to understand the opposite sex more? What do I need to do just to understand this person, this human being more? How do I have to become more conscious and more self-aware? Stop expecting a soulmate when you go on a date. I really think keeping your expectations kind of low are important because a lot of people, and I will say men do this, but a lot of my women listeners I think will relate to this the most. Could be wrong. There's this expectation that you're going on a date or this, like this prayer, I should say, <laughs> that this person is going to end up being the quote unquote one, the soulmate. 
or at least the person that you're going to end up with. There's going to be this really strong connection. And then it turns out it's not. And then that very same person, I may hear this all the time from my clients, they go home and then they're so disappointed. Then they start thinking about their ex. Then they start projecting into the future and thinking that they're going to be alone. Then they start telling themselves things like there's no one out there and it's just, it's, right? And it becomes this cycle. It might take some time. The really important question is, can you love your life while you are waiting, while you're dating around? Can you love your life in spite of the fact that what you really want is a relationship? I am not here to BS anyone. If you want a relationship, a good relationship, a stable relationship will definitely increase the quality of our lives. An unstable relationship will detract from our lives a lot. So I'm not here to discourage anyone from wanting a relationship or to forfeit their desire to be in a partnership. But I am saying, if your life doesn't have meaning, if you can't learn how to access love and joy and connection while not in a relationship, then it is a worthy pursuit to try to find that on your own. Because if you don't, you're just going to have a lot of disappointment and or you're going to tolerate someone. You're going to settle because you're just like, you don't want to be alone anymore. And that's not a good position to be in. That's not the kind of leverage you want to have going into the dating world. So we have to be able to meet our emotional needs so that we're not looking for a relationship to make us happy. We may want a relationship to add value to our lives, make us happier, make things a little bit more exciting, but we need to be able to do that for ourselves and not be looking to another person or to a relationship to give our lives meaning. And that can be a really rough and tough pill to swallow, but we have to be able to find meaning. Otherwise, we make this person the focal point. We'll make someone who should not have even gotten the job of loving you. We'll make this person our focal point because we haven't figured out how to make ourselves the focal point in our lives and find meaning in our lives. Has just too much pressure. So, some quick dating myths I want to bust. You do not have to be totally healed before you get into a relationship. We are all a work in progress. Some people have a lot of work to do on themselves. I'm all for them doing the work. And you have to decide for yourself. And maybe you have to decide that with a therapist or a coach of how long you should wait before you get into a relationship. But I have found that people, especially women, tend to wait too long because they are reminiscing about their ex that didn't treat them well (laughs) for too long. And I really think there are certain people who really need to get back in the saddle again quickly. And then there are certain people who have been repeating a lot of painful patterns and have had a lot of toxic things going on, and maybe they're dealing with some really heavy stuff in their lives, and they've got to get their lives sorted before they can show up. So that does exist. 
But it also exists that a lot of people spend too much time, quote unquote, healing and not getting back out there. So a lot of times I give the advice, just get back out there. Dating myth number two, you do not have to completely love yourself to be in a relationship, but you cannot hate yourself. But if we hate ourselves and we really just don't love ourselves, then we're going to reject anyone who's trying to love us. The flip side is we also learn to love ourselves inside of a relationship. When someone's really loving us, we learn to see ourselves through their eyes. And it's through relationship where we learn and we grow and we can build our self-esteem inside of a relationship. So I'm in complete disagreement with these binary perspectives, these two camps of, no, you don't have to love yourself before you're in a relationship. I disagree with that. And yes, you have to completely love yourself before in a relationship. Disagree with that too. I think there's a lot of gray in between. So what can you do about this now? Well, you can get out a piece of paper and a pen and you can start writing down all the things that you want in a relationship, in a partner, the things you want to feel, the things you want to experience, and just get it all out in a brainstorm. And then get clear about what your deal breakers are and your non-negotiables are. Really get clear about them. Write them down. Plaster them to your refrigerator door. Put them in your phone and have them come up as reminders. And then figure out who you have to be in order to be in partnership, in relationship, in love with that person. Then figure out what you can tolerate, what you can live with. And if you're stuck trying to figure out what it is that you want, start with what it is that you don't want. That's always a good way to start. Second thing you can start doing right now, if you're single, maybe frustrated, maybe feeling sad and lonely, and you know you shouldn't be waiting for this person to come into your life, but you find yourself waiting, go live your life. Don't wait until you're in a relationship to take that trip. Go live your life. Go have an adventure with friends. Go have a solo adventure, whatever that adventure means to you. Live your life. Because when you do, and I really don't mean to sound new agey right now, but we do really become magnetic when we are living our lives. We do become magnetic when we are living our lives. And that doesn't mean everything is roses and unicorns and lollipops and balloons. Even if it just means I'm doing me, I'm finding meaning in my life got to push yourself to do that. It's so important. And if you are someone who believes in the law of attraction, then believe it when I say that you've got to experience that feeling of love inside of you in order to attract it to you. And if you don't believe in the law of attraction, you think that's garbage, then we want to feel that anyway. So go live your life. You deserve it. Also enjoy your secret single behavior. 
Enjoy sleeping diagonally in your bed. Enjoy watching what, whatever the hell you want to watch on TV. Enjoy like eating that stuff that you would never eat in front of them. Enjoy your Sunday how you want to do your Sunday. All that secret single behavior because a stable, loving relationship is a wonderful thing. It really is. But even in the best relationships, we have to sacrifice some of our preferences. And so if you're single, try to make the most of it and enjoy all the things that you prefer where you don't have to negotiate on. Soak it up. There was one more thing that I actually wanted to add that's super important. And this is going to be mostly for my women listeners. Wait to sleep with someone, especially if you get attached. And this is biological. It's the biological dance between oxytocin and estrogen that makes it so that we get incredibly attached in a way that men don't. It's not that men don't get attached. They absolutely do. But men do tend to have an easier time separating love and sex. Women tend to have a harder time. This is not for everyone. So this is just whoever you are, know yourself. And this is, goes along with what I said in the beginning. Know yourself. If you attach quickly or if you have had a history of just giving away your energy and your body too quickly where you say to yourself, you know what? I really think that someone needs to earn a spot in my bed rather than me just giving it away so freely. It's sacred. So you want to give it away in a way that you're not doing it to get love. You're not doing it in a way to get someone to be attached to you, to get someone to like you more. You have to really be autonomous of that. And if you attach quickly and you just say, I really like you, I'm really attracted to you, but I'm in a place in my life where I really need to wait. I get attached and I like to wait until we are emotionally bonded and we've decided we're going to be in a relationship and that's what I'm comfortable with. The person who really likes you is going to say, great, I'm on board. I can wait. All right. So today's episode was how to choose the right partner for you, not just for anyone, but for you. It's not just about attracting them because you're going to attract a lot of people into your life, but can you choose the one who's actually right for you? There's a lot of single people out there right now, and there's so many people looking for love. So love for you to rate and subscribe. But more than anything else, if you know anyone, or if you know a few people who are single and frustrated or single and just choosing the wrong people, pass this episode along to them. Share it to as many people as you think it can help because it just might completely make their day or at least break a big pattern. Anyway. I hope this helps, and until next time, this is Jillian on Love, and I look forward to the next episode. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan Counthouse, edited in music by Will Tendy.
Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.